What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Don't you know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, from now on, we should no longer serve sin. He that has died is freed from sin. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. In like manner, reckon yourself, count yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our name, the unchanging word, reflects the fact that the eternal word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. On the Unchanging Word program, we are studying Romans chapter 6. We will be looking at verses 1 through 5 in our study today. Well, Dr. Mitchell will be looking at several facts in this passage. He points out that facts are to be believed, irrespective of how we feel. He says it's no use speaking about our Christian experience if we don't first have the facts. These facts are the truth of who Jesus Christ is and his accomplished work, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, and his being seen by many witnesses. Dear friend, do you believe these facts as being true? Can you in faith say to God, I believe in your Son Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection on my behalf. Thank you for taking my sins away and declaring me righteous in your sight. If you can and do pray and speak to God in this way, you will be saved and that's his promise. We'll turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Here is our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we're continuing our study in the book of Romans, chapter 6. We have come to a very, very foundational passage of Scripture concerning the believer in his deliverance from the power of sin in his life. We have found at the end of chapter 5 that God imparts to us a new life. He puts us in Christ righteous. We belong to a new race of people of which Christ Jesus is the head. But I'm still living in a body that, that is frail, that has lusts and desires. 
And I'm still here on earth in the midst of tests and temptations, and sometimes believers fail God. Now, how can I have victory? Or deliverance might be a better word, because Christ gets the victory and we enjoy the deliverance. How can I be delivered from this question of sin as a master in my life? When I want to do the right thing, I find myself doing the wrong thing. So I'm going to read chapter 6. And then again, repeat one or two things I said in closing in our last lesson. But I want this very, very clearly understood that we're dealing with a very, very important passage of Scripture for the Christian especially. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Remember the question has been raised at the end of chapter 5. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin or dead because of sin live any longer therein? Don't you know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like us Christ was raised up was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, might be rendered powerless, that henceforth, from now on, we should no longer serve sin. But he that is dead, he that has died, is freed, is liberated from sin. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. In like manner, reckon yourself, count yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, when we come to this passage, we are dealing with a fact. We are not dealing with your experience or my experience. We're dealing with a fact. God has declared that when Christ died, you and I were joined to him. When he died, you and I died. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he came forth in resurrection, we too came forth, identified with the risen, glorified Christ. That when a sinner accepts the Savior, he is not only forgiven his sin and delivered from uh, the control of Adam's race where death reigns, Hence, he has eternal life. But he is joined to the Savior in resurrection. We are joined to the man at God's right hand. But the question is raised, what about me now? I'm still on the earth in my frailty. And as I said last in our last lesson, and I questioned uh, man's way in contrast to God's way. Man tries to pull himself up by his bootstraps. Men tries very hard, I'm talking about Christians, to overcome sin in their lives. I know this, 
I know this. I have dealt with thousands of people down through the years, and here is one of the problems. The more we know the Word of God, the more we love the Savior, the more we want to please Him. We want to live lives that are glorifying to the Lord. But we do things that we know we shouldn't do, and sometimes they're done before you even think about it. And you cry for deliverance. And so you struggle, and you think by praying you're going to be delivered. If you fast some, you're going to be delivered. When God wants to do the delivering, But first of all, we ought to know some facts. Now, the first fact he gives to us in the first 11 verses of the chapter is that we have been delivered from sin as a place in which to live. See, before we were Christians, we lived in sin. That was where we lived. Now you live in Christ. You're no longer living in sin. Now, forget your experience for a moment, will you? You say, my experience is contrary to this. I'm talking to those who've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. God declares that when Christ died, you died. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, he amplifies that. Don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. The first thing is, he wants you to know some facts. What is the fact? that when we were baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into his death. That's the end of you and the end of me, as far as our history as sinners. If I were to go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Beloved of God called saints, S-A-I-N-T-S, holy ones, I was teaching Ephesians that point out we are no longer children of wrath, but children of God. Permit me to quote some scriptures to you along this one line. I'm talking about a fact now, and we are to believe the fact. Apart from any feeling on our part, am I going to believe what God says about me as a man in Christ? I ask you, are you in Christ? You say, yes. You're a child of God, yes. You're in the church, the body of Christ, yes. Then will you know this fact? In the book of Colossians chapter 3, I read these words. If you then be risen with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ sitteth. Set your affections upon things above, not on things on the earth. Why? Because you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, if you take the first verse, if you then be risen with Christ, I have to ask the question, what kind of people are raised? Well, you say dead people. So verse 3 tells you when you died. For we have died, and our life is hid with Christ in God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. 
I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. Now, the, these verses, the, the, the tense of these words, of these verbs, is in the past tense. We have died. We are not dying, but we have died. It's a, it's a, it's a finished transaction. Well, if a man is dying, he's never dead. When a person is dead, he's quit dying. Is that not true? As long as a person is dying, you've still got hopes. When death comes in, that's the end. Now then, are you dying to sin or have you died to sin? The book says you have died to sin. You've quit dying then. And if I have died, then verse 1 says we were risen with him. Colossians 1, 3, 1. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me give you another scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. 14 through 17. In fact, I'm going to quote verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, what does it say? Paul says, If we be beside ourselves, it is to God. If we are sober, it is for your cause. Why? For the love of Christ constraineth us, or the love of Christ overmasters us. Why? Because we thus judge, if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, from now on know we him no more. Why? If any man be in Christ, in this risen, glorified Christ, he is a new creation, he's a new creature, all things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. You see, friend, we were identified with Jesus Christ not only in his death and burial, but also in his resurrection. Now, I have met men, even preachers, who glory in the fact that they died with Christ, and then they come to a full stop. We not only died with Christ, but we were raised with Christ. Not only are we dead to sin as a fact, but we have a new life to live for God. You've got the two aspects. That's why I quoted Colossians 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ sitteth. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For your past life as a sinner came to an end. You're no longer seen as a sinner by God. You're seen as one of his children, as one of the saints. That's why when you come to the end of Romans, we are to be, we're exhorted to be saintly in our life. I'm a saint by calling, but I should be as saintly in my life. All Christians are saints. They do not all walk as become as saints. All believers, for example, are in the Spirit. All do not walk in the Spirit or walk by means of the Spirit. Now, we're dealing here in chapter 6 with a positional truth. When we come to chapter 12 and on through 
chapter 16, we have the experimental side of the picture. But it's no use talking about our experience until we get the facts of what God says we are. So Paul here says, don't you be ignorant of this fact, that when you were baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into his death. That like we are buried by him, with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You've got the two aspects. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Now let me get, first of all, this question. Don't you know that we who are dead because of sin cannot live any longer therein? Death has taken place. I wonder how I can put this. Listen, friend, here in Portland or in your city or your town, wherever you live, we have graveyards. As long as a person is alive, even if he's dying, he's not buried. As long as there's life, you have hope. But when death comes in, what do you do? You take the body, you put it in a casket, and you bury it. Rather an amazing thing, you don't live around the cemetery. Those are dead people. They don't break the law, they don't sin. They're dead. God says that when you and I accepted the Savior, we would join to Jesus Christ. And that when he died, he not only died for your sins, but he died for you. He not only died for our acts, but he died for the actors. Not only for the guilt, but for the guilty ones. Well, I ask you the question, did Christ die for you or just for your sins? Why you say, he died for me. And that's the end of you. You and I were the ones who should have been crucified. You and I were the ones who had broken, transgressed against the law of God. You and I were the ones who were sinners and the wages of sin is death and the soul that sinner that shall die. Either we die or somebody else dies. Christ died in your stead, in my stead. We were identified, we were joined with him. When Christ died, God saw you and me in his son hanging on the cross, in the grave. And when he rose from the dead, we were joined to a risen Christ. That's why we love this wonderful truth of our union with the risen Son of God, joined to the eternal God. But death must come in. And I recognize the fact that I died in him. Now, I, I must raise this question in verses 3 to 5. Is he talking about a, a rite or a ceremony? Is he talking about water baptism? No, I don't believe so. No right of any man can put me into Christ and join me to Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. This is an act of God. This is an act of God. I repeat it, no right of any man can do this. 
This is an act of God concerning everyone who receives his precious Son as Savior. Now, if you want to witness to this fact by water baptism, well, that's between you and the Lord. If you want to show forth, for example, your identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and those of you who believe in immersion, I'm talking about your doctrine. You believe that, that when you're baptized in water, you're showing forth the fact that you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And whether you know it or not, when you were baptized in water and buried in the water and brought up again, you were to walk in newness of life. Sometimes I have said to people who are going to be baptized, remember, if I thought for one moment that you are not going to live glorifying to the Lord in your life, I'll put you in the water and I'll put you under the water and I'll keep you under the water. I'll bury you. For me to witness that I'm joined to a risen Christ by some rite or ceremony, then my life ought to be a pattern of that. My life ought to show forth the fact that I'm a new man, a new woman in Christ. As I said a while ago, I'm not going to discuss the question of water baptism, but I'm taking this because I know there are those who take this passage and say it's teaching immersion. Paul is not even thinking about water baptism in this connection. He's talking about something that God does. It is true of every believer in Christ. That verse in Galatians chapter 3, as many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. Do you mean telling me that's water baptism? That would mean that only those who are baptized by immersion have put on Christ. Oh, no. It's an act of God. The moment a sinner receives the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, he puts on Christ. He becomes a member of the body of Christ, is baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit, He's joined to the eternal Son of God. But Paul here is stressing the fact that when Christ died, you died. It's an act of God joining us to the Son of God in his work at the cross, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Now, I think I've said enough about that. But I want this thing to be very, very clear in your mind. We should walk in newness of life. For me to say that I have been joined to Christ, identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection means that I too ought to go forth to walk in newness of life so that his name will be magnified and glorified in my life. And the more I witness to this fact, the more there should be the demonstration of the living Savior in and through me and in and through you. And if I really believe that I belong to the Savior, then I ought to manifest something of this new life in Christ. But let me again get to your heart. He's dealing here with a fact. And the fact is, when Christ died, that was the end of your history as a sinner. And we're no longer seen by God in sin, living in sin, but in Christ. May the Lord make it clear to you and real to you today for his name's sake.
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.